Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Thursday, October 31st, 2019. On this day in 1977, the body of 15-year-old Judith Lynn Miller was discovered in a flower bed in the Los Angeles neighborhood of La Crescenta. She was not the first Los Angeles woman to be found in similar circumstances that year, and she would not be the last. Only six days later, the hillside strangler would strike again. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're discussing the Hillside Strangler, or as they would later come to be known, the Hillside Stranglers. Beginning in October of 1977, 44-year-old Angelo Bono Jr., and his 26-year-old cousin, Kenneth Bianchi, abducted, raped, tortured, and murdered 10 Los Angeles women between the ages of 12 and 28. Bianchi was apprehended in January of 1979 and subjected to countless hours of interrogation by investigators, who eventually turned to hypnosis to try to extract the truth from the killer. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Before we unpack the ramifications of the Hillside Strangler's depraved crimes, let's go back to the day of their second murder, October 31st, 1977, in the very early hours of the morning. Jack-o'-lanterns and scarecrows peered out from shadowy porches as the 1972 two-tone Cadillac sedan pulled up to the curb. The passenger side door opened and Kenny Bianchi stepped out. 
taking in his surroundings with skepticism. A middle-class neighborhood in the hills north of Glendale was the last place he'd have chosen to dump a body, but he wasn't the one in charge. His cousin, Angelo, had already popped the trunk and was staring at the body of the nude 15-year-old girl lying inside. After a moment, he grabbed the girl's legs and told Kenny to grab the shoulders. The girl couldn't have weighed more than 90 pounds, but Angelo was already breathing hard by the time they reached the sidewalk. He suggested dumping her in the small garden just off the road. Kenny balked. She would be completely exposed there. It would take no time at all for someone to find her. That was the point, said Angelo, grinning in the harsh light of the street lamp. They were going to give these people a Halloween they would never forget. 18, 19, 20, 21... Dr. Orne counted in a smooth, steady monotone. When he reached 30, he stopped. You can wake up now, Kenny. The large, mustached man slumped before him, slowly began to stir. Kenny Bianchi lifted his head and looked around. He groggily asked what he had missed. You were telling me about Halloween 1977, said Dr. Orne the day you killed Judy Miller. Kenny objected. Steve Walker had been the one who killed Judy Miller. Orne apologized, of course. He knew all of the murders had been Steve's fault. That's why he wanted to talk to Steve again, if it was all right with Kenny. Kenny said it would be fine. Dr. Orne began to count again. Kenny Bianchi's head dropped and then lolled to the side. 28, 29, 30. Hello, Steve. The man sitting across from Dr. Orne had changed. Gone were the slumped posture, the docile air, and the hollow look of defeat. He sat rigid now, shoulders squared, staring back at Orne with eyes that sparked with some dark energy. You again, he spat. I go away for five minutes and Ken turns straight to the doctors. That idiot can't do anything right. The pronouncement was followed by a string of colorful expletives that Orne decided could be left out of his notes. He steered the conversation back to Judy Miller. Yeah, I killed that broad, said Kenny, or Steve, as he presently identified. She was the one with the red-brown hair, Not too long, not too short, and not too old either. Orne asked how he'd done it and got the answer. Strangled. That's the best way. For the next half hour, Kenny and or Steve happily regaled Dr. Orne with details of Judy Hill's abduction, how he and Angelo Bono had spotted her on the street corner of Sunset Boulevard outside of Carney's hot dog stand. Angelo had gone to pick her up, pretending to be a John. Then Steve got in the car, flashing a police badge and announcing that she was under arrest. She'd let them handcuff her. It had been too easy. But Orne already knew all this. 
Kenny had revealed the details months ago in hypnosis sessions with Dr. Watkins and Dr. Allison. They were the ones who had discovered the foul-mouthed Steve persona, along with a whole cavalcade of other personalities that had appeared since. And they had wasted no time in diagnosing Kenny Bianchi with multiple personality disorder, practically ensuring a successful insanity plea. But Dr. Orne wasn't so sure. I want to try something now, he said after some time. I want you to imagine that your attorney, Dean Brett, is in this room. He's standing right in front of you. As Dr. Orne expected, Kenny rose to shake the imaginary man's hand, speaking to him as if he truly was in the room at that very moment. So far, this was consistent with the behavior of any hypnotized person, but Orne wasn't finished. He turned and nodded at the two-way mirror. A moment later, the door opened and the real Dean Brett entered. Kenny Bianchi froze, eyes shifting from the imaginary lawyer to the real one. Dr. Orne could see the wheels in his head spinning, the beads of sweat forming to betray his inner panic. What on earth just happened? Kenny exclaimed. Mr. Brett was standing in front of me, then he up and vanishes and appears over there. Dr. Orne didn't say anything, but simply jotted a brief note on his pad. The edges of his mouth curled in the slightest smile. He knew better than anyone that hypnosis only worked if the subject was willing. And if Kenny was truly hypnotized, he would have accepted anything Dr. Orne told him without question, even the entrance of a second Dean Brett. But he hadn't. Kenny was faking. His performance had been good enough to convince a slew of professionals, but Orne had his number now. And if he was faking his hypnotism, the multiple personality disorder was almost certainly fake, too. Orne would prove that soon enough. There was plenty of time. Kenny Bianchi had nowhere to go. Coming up, we'll explore the Hillside Strangler's crimes and hear how Angelo Bono Jr. and Kenneth Bianchi were ultimately brought to justice. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On October 31st, 1977, Angelo Bono Jr. and Kenneth Bianchi, the cousins who would come to be collectively known as the Hillside Strangler, claimed their second victim. She was Judith Lynn Miller, a 15-year-old runaway and occasional sex worker who had been working Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles earlier that evening. After raping and strangling her, they deposited her body in a middle-class neighborhood north of Glendale. For the next four months, 
Angelinos lived in fear as more victims cropped up on hillsides around the city. The murders grew more depraved as the killers began to experiment with various forms of torture, and the gaps between the killings dropped. By February of 1978, the cousins had claimed 10 victims. While the police had deduced that two men were working together to commit the murders, the media was still operating under the assumption that there was a single killer, who they dubbed the Hillside Strangler. But 26-year-old Kenneth Bianchi found himself unable to maintain a safe distance from his crime scenes. He had applied for a job with the Los Angeles Police Department several times since moving to California in 1976, and despite being turned down each time, had managed to maintain a few friends on the force. At the height of his killing spree, he convinced several officers to bring him on ride-alongs through the city while they scoured the streets for the hillside strangler. When Angelo found out what Kenny had been up to, he was livid and ordered the younger cousin to get out of town before he messed things up for both of them. Kenny moved to Bellingham, Washington, but he was unable to stop killing. On January 11, 1978, he murdered two female students at Western Washington University, for which he was arrested the very next day. An interesting aspect of this case is that it represents one of the last instances in which the LAPD utilized hypnosis techniques to extract information from witnesses. In police custody, Kenny Bianchi willingly underwent countless hypnosis sessions, which he used to lay the groundwork for an insanity plea. Still maintaining that he had no memory of the crimes, he began to take on several distinct personalities, including a persona called Steve Walker, who claimed responsibility for the murders. His ploy successfully convinced several expert psychiatrists, and he was temporarily diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. But the prosecution was determined not to let Kenny Bianchi get off with an insanity plea. They enlisted the help of Dr. Theodore Orne, a psychiatrist at the University of Pennsylvania and the world's leading expert on hypnosis. Through several tests, he determined that Bianchi had not been successfully hypnotized and had in fact hoodwinked his psychiatrists into making their diagnosis. Finally exposed and facing the possibility of capital punishment, Bianchi made a full confession, implicating both himself and Angelo Bono in exchange for a life sentence. Dr. Orne's discovery proved crucial to the prosecution's case in more ways than one. By this point, the LAPD had come under severe scrutiny in the media for its use of hypnosis, and the California Supreme Court was preparing to hear a case that would determine whether the practice would continue. Chief Justice Roberts, the judge set to oversee the Hillside Strangler trial, was wary of having his court's decision overturned. He decided early on that he would not allow any evidence procured through hypnosis to be entered into the trial. Angelo Bono had been far more careful than his younger cousin, and the police still had little physical evidence to link him directly to the murders. Without Bianchi's testimony, his conviction was far from certain, 
but because Dr. Orne had proven that Kenny Bianchi had not been successfully hypnotized, his hours of conversations with the police were admitted. As a result of the incriminating testimony of his younger cousin and accomplice, Angelo Bono Jr. was ultimately found guilty of the 10 Los Angeles murders. His first guilty sentence was delivered on October 31, 1983, six years to the day after he and Kenny Bianchi abducted and murdered 15-year-old Judy Miller. It was a Halloween he would never forget. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Kelleher. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 